Hi, it's Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. As we gear up for award season, there's no better time to join us. By becoming a Vanity Fair subscriber, you'll gain exclusive access to our in-depth coverage of film, television, and the best of Hollywood. And that's just the beginning. Vanity Fair takes you inside the worlds of entertainment, culture, politics, and scandal, bringing you iconic images, era-defining stories, and much more. Get 15% off a year of digital access to Vanity Fair by visiting VanityFair.com and using promo code POD15 at checkout. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off a full year of insights and exclusive digital access. Subscribe now. Hello and welcome to the special early week edition of Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. It's such an honor to present this next award. And here are the nominees. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. I'm the king of the world. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won best picture. I'm Katie Rich, the deputy editor of VanityFair.com. I'm here with a full crew here to discuss the Emmy Awards. We have our chief critic, Richard Lawson. Hello. Our senior writer, Joanna Robinson. Hi, Katie. And joining us again, our senior Hollywood editor, Hilary Busis. Hello. And our TV critic, Sonia Soraya. Hi. Uh, it's I love having a full crowd to discuss an award show. Um, I have to say, as weird as our uh, pandemics were, the thrill of an award show never quite leaves me. And it, um, it it worked for me in a lot of ways. I mean, we're going to talk about the winners. We're going to talk about the narratives we saw from it. But in general, do you guys feel the same way that I do, that the Emmys were like pretty successful for what they had to pull off? Yeah, I mean, I was impressed and pleasantly so. I was impressed by the innovation of what they did. I saw a lot of people reacting, saying, like, they wish there had been more, like, mess-ups and that it had been more of a shit show. <laughs> and I was like, well, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose that would have made for, like, some entertaining TV. But I think what they did was was uh, pretty impressive. That's the NASCAR theory of viewership. <laughs> I wanted more cars going off the, the track. Literal car crashes. Yeah, I mean, I thought it went. I thought it went pretty well. I think that you know, the more I thought about it, though, after the broadcast ended, was like, what did they do that like local news broadcasts don't do every night, which is like have one person in a studio and then they cut to other video feeds. Like <laughs> it felt. I mean, I granted it was 150 video feeds versus you know a few, but. You know, minus some like little, you know, skips in sound or whatever and, you know, differentials in like uh, people's setup. I mean, there were people on their couches and then there was Schitt's Creek, which was having like a whole party in Toronto, uh, which worked really well for the first, you know, third of the show. But yeah, I'm, I'm writing something right now about what the Oscars can learn from the Emmys, given that like it seems likely that the Oscars will also have to be some kind of virtual ceremony. Um, and I think there is a lot to glean from the broadcast. Yeah, I do wonder if it helped uh, cut down the amount of technical snafus, at least at the beginning of the show, because everybody from Shets Creek kept winning and they were all in the same room the entire time. <laughs> mm-hmm. True. Really showing off their ability to have a party. Although, Sonia, you and I were back channeling about why they kept having masks on and taking them off and they were in the same room. And I mean, the <laughs> coronavirus doesn't work differently in Canada, but there just seems something like that they got to do that we can't do. They, they had some freedom. Yeah. 
my takeaway from the Emmys ended up be that it was about as fun as it could have been. Um, mm-hmm. That, like, I felt everything is sort of bleak and Kimmel was very bleak. Uh, I kind of appreciated his, uh, his, his acerbic dryness um, about the whole thing. But, you know, you, you do lose a lot when it's not in the same room. I feel kind of bad for some of these winners who, you know, like first-time winners like Zendaya who don't get the party and they don't get the, you know, she seemed to be having a, a good time and dressed up and stuff, and that's great. But um, there was definitely something lost, and I don't think anyone lo- lost sight of that. But I do appreciate that it was as fun and weird and zany as it could have been. I don't know, because I'm a masochist. I rewatched the ceremony after the East Coast went to bed. And um, just because I wasn't like able to pay full attention while it was airing. And like, I was looking for sort of a unifying message. And the unifying message seemed to me to be unity. Like there was a lot of positivity. And I feel like everyone got a memo that was like, hey, we all hate Trump. Things are bad, blah, blah. But instead of focusing on that, let's focusing. Let's like, it was like everyone was on the same campaign message, which was encourage people to vote, talk about what unites us. And I think that's why like the big Shits Creek run at the beginning of the show, sort of frustrating as it was to feel like no one else is being included in that party. Chits Creek is a show about positivity and unity. So I feel like that like really set a tone. All of those speeches, all of their speeches had to deal with that. But like, so did everyone else's like, you know, Mark Ruffalo is going off about that. Everyone is like, we're united. We are one. We don't have to be divided. Let's work together. Let's vote. Like that was instead of like F Trump, uh, which has been the message in the past, you know? I was kind of surprised that given that there was really no mechanism in place to do like playoff music, like they weren't just going to cut people's feed during a speech um, in the same way that they would gently coax them off stage at a, at a regular show. I, I was surprised that more people didn't use the like kind of unfettered time that they had. I'm sure that there was some sort of indicator that was telling them, OK, like wrap it up or something. But like Ruffalo just kind of went. You know, and I thought that we would see a little more of that. But like like you said, Joanna, I think that people mostly were like, there did seem to be a collective effort on everyone's part to make sure in their own little way that the thing went smoothly. And so I think everyone was kind of just very conscious of brevity and, you know, getting the message across. I mean, the Schitt's Creek people, because they had that crazy run for the entire first third of the show could have done really whatever the hell they wanted <laughs> and yet they they you know being canadians they were very polite about it and uh you know each speech managed you know dan levy spoke three times i think and each or four maybe um and each one seemed to like have a little different thing to say but kept it short so i wonder you know going forward if that will instill some new kind of less of an individualistic spirit where this is my time to shine and it was more like this is our time to shine which which felt nice Although they did also have more time. I, th- I think maybe, generally speaking, acceptance speeches on average ran longer than they usually do because the, we didn't have to spend time with people walking up to the podium and the other sorts of things that can eat up a normal or traditional broadcast, um, which is interesting. I think it's it's sort of nice to give each uh, each winner a slightly longer time in the spotlight and not have to deal with the anxiety-provoking swelling orchestra. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that that's an innovation that would be nice to sort of see in the future. I don't know if people could just accept their awards from their seats or something in order to give us uh, that buffer in future shows, but it was, it's, uh, I didn't miss playoff music. 
It's yeah. it's funny. I was I was rewatching the Watchmen acceptance moment, uh, like a Zapruder film. I was watching it like really closely, and like they win. Damien Lindelof goes in to hug uh, his director Stephen Williams, who who had just like lost, and Stephen is like no, and pushes him like to go give a speech. And I was like, oh no, is there tension? Is there drama? Is Stephen mad he lost? Uh, and then Damon gave his speech, and then they like had a huge hug afterwards. And I was like, no, Stephen was just like, hey bud, get on the mic. It's your yeah, time. Like, go. They'll cut your feet if you yeah. don't start talking. <laughs> Exactly. So yeah. my my guess is so like the Shit's Creek run in the beginning, like I think for fans of Shit's Creek, it was like very fun to see them and like, you know, cutting back to them all looking ecstatic every time was fun. But I would assume they're not gonna like ever do that again where they have like all comedy, all um limited series at once. But like the cast of Shit's Creek didn't want to sit there through like the morning show winning stuff that there's not their category. Like they they couldn't convince the stars to do what we did, which is watch the whole thing. So they had it like category by category so that you know when yours is done, you can go turn it off and go to the bar. So hopefully that's like a one-time thing. Although it was like no, watching a streak like that happen and knowing it's happening so clearly was was fascinating just from like an award stat nerd perspective. It was sort of, I, I mean, I felt like I just felt for the viewing experience. It got a little, like it was great that they had a party to go to so that you could see like outfits and, and kind yeah. of some glitter. But um, it was a little tedious. I mean, I wasn't, I, no no shade to the show, but I, I was a little bit like, okay, this is not the most thrilling like first hour of an award show or keep cutting to the exact same room. These same people are making speeches. I was a little disappointed at how clumped the winners were, actually. That felt like it felt a little less creative than the award show itself. It was also fascinating to watch because everything was clumped together to watch Schitt's Creek have a backlash in real time. (laughs) (laughs) After the third award, people were like, is the show really that good? Well, didn't Dan Levy say that too? He was like, oh God, the internet's going to turn on me. Yeah, and he was right. I mean, he was probably checking Twitter. Like, uh, it was, I mean, I I think that that has mostly abated, but yeah, um, that was unavoidable though because I think you're you're right, Kitty, that they had to give people their slots and um, so they weren't just glued to a laptop or whatever the hell uh, all night. And sort of interesting that Schitt's Creek managed to win all of these awards for a season that a lot of Schitt's Creek's fans haven't seen yet because it hasn't yet aired on Netflix. Right, Mm -hmm. right. I was interested, too, our correspondent Julie Miller was in the virtual press room, and none of them showed up for ages and ages, right? Like, they never showed up to the quote-unquote backstage press room. And they had plenty of time to, even even after their sort of, like, 40-minute dominance, they only came in for a minute altogether. I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, I think maybe it's just really not as fun for them to be doing it over Zoom, and they're just like, we want to we wanna hang out at our party and enjoy our statues now. But you don't want to leave a real-life party to go get on Zoom? Is that the <laughs> you have now? I don't I remember also, what a real-life party is anymore, so... <laughs> I also think it's interesting, because, um, like, I, I can't tell for sure where people were. Like, was Zendaya at home when she accepted her speech with that, like, Beautiful Supremes poster behind her? Or was that some sort of, like, green room Well, in she the had theater? been at the Staples Center well, to present. That's, yeah, so, that yeah. was my point, is sort of, like, they had the drama candidates, like, they had Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston and Zendaya there, like, sort of towards the beginning of the show. So, like, give those people time to get home, question mark. So, like, they're at the theater, they did all the comedy awards, and so that they could be home in time for, like, the drama categories. Given Lisa Kudrow and Courtney Cox showing up for Jennifer Aniston's bit at the end of the show, though, that also felt like she was maybe 
still at the Staples Center. And Jason Bateman right, wanders, and Bateman's right. still there. Yeah. I was like, yeah. either either Jennifer Aniston and Jason Bateman are really good friends, maybe, or they're just still at the Staples Center. No, you know? I don't know why you wouldn't just have a green room. I mean, that's why they did it at the Staples Center, so there'd be room for, like, literally whatever you want to do. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, I, I'm as fascinated or more fascinated by the logistics of pulling off this show, pulling off as much of it on site as they did. I didn't really anticipate there being so many presenters appearing live on screen so many presenter like maskless presenters like basically interacting with each other in a way that like I kind of didn't think was going to happen in a show like this I thought there would be more pre-taped stuff I thought that there would be more virtual or at least uh off location presenters and bits and stuff like that so I mean I did they just have a massive testing opera apparatus that happened like two days before the show. Like, I I don't know. I'm curious. I hope that we can find out more. I will say the fact that, like, Juliana Rasek and Vivica A. Fox had to pull out of their e-hosting duties, like, last minute because they tested positive for COVID makes me hopeful that they were actually very rigorous with their, um, I mean, at least E was, I suppose, but, um, like, with their their testing of what's going on. And I was actually, once again, I was, like, re-watching and I was looking closely and, like, there are a few of those Holloway presentations where it's possible that they could have taped them earlier because they didn't, like, pan over to them. They just walked down that hallway. So it's oh, that's possible that a few of those, I don't know for sure, but it's like possible Like Jason Sudeikis that, wasn't necessarily there in person. Right. Or, or like there at the same time or as like whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It exactly. happened the previous day or something. Right. Yeah. Jason Sudeikis getting a COVID test on the air. Like, I don't know if that was a real COVID test, but it looked like a real COVID test. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of like subtly a great idea, just like normalizing that process. I don't know who is watching the Emmys who needs to have a COVID test normalized for them, but I like that. Well, we should also <laughs> be careful to mention that, you know, the, that the Television Academy has a vaccine, but you need... <laughs> <laughs> you need six SAG credits to get it. So. Um, but, but, Richard, but, you're not supposed to say that. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, but, but speaking of, of Sudeikis getting the COVID test, I, I, I did like the addition of, for a few of the categories, they had, you know, essential workers, first responders, people like that, giving out certain mm-hmm. awards. Uh, the things they were kind of scripted to say about their own experiences during the pandemic didn't always sync up perfectly with. And now here's an award for TV acting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like the woman who, like the the, the nurse, the nurse. Who, who yeah. got COVID and then was like, anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I thought it was a nice gesture toward, again, that sense of, of communal spirit, which was not just, of course, people in the television industry, but like people, the world and, you know, all around the world and all around the country. I thought that that played not maudlin. It didn't seem pandering. It genuinely seemed like you've had a really rough, six months uh, working on the front lines of this thing. And now here is just a silly opportunity for you to like, you know, be on national television and give out an award. And and it's it's probably a tiny, tiny comfort for pe- really hardworking people who've seen a lot of scary things. But I thought it was pretty well integrated into the general flow of a very self-aggrandizing award show. And so was the charity drive for No Kid Hungry, um, which was understated, apparently raised a lot of money, according to Kimmel, by the end of the show. Which I guess, I, it seems like there's got to be some kind of charity component to any major pandemic era entertainment yeah. event, because otherwise we just look too frivolous and out of touch. But I think if you can do something like that, and then it makes Tracy Ellis Ross feel free to wear an amazing gold dress and like let Zendaya <laughs> like go full Brigitte Bardot, like if that's the trade-off for letting these people like feel okay being glamorous, I'm happy to take that. Oh, yeah, that's so, a win-win. Win. I'm so glad to see the like gowns and any of that stuff. Like I don't think it is inherently frivolous to like dress up and look pretty for the Emmys, and I'm really glad enough people embrace that. 
Something something else I really liked was um, I think they only did it for comedy, but maybe I missed something. When they did the outstanding comedy series nominees, they had like different people who weren't yeah. affiliated with the shows, like introducing the shows. Um, so Zoe Deschanel introduced Dead Like Me, and Morgan Freeman did the Kaminsky method, and a football player who I could not identify did Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> JJ Was. Thank you. Thank you very much. About insecure in a shower cap. <laughs> yes, yes, that oh, was, was so great. great. Um, I actually really liked that, and I wish they had done that for more categories because I think that's uh that's just a really fun part of any awards show is seeing the connections between people in the industry and and them standing for each other is cool yeah they didn't do it for drama did they no I feel like and they also like stopped airing clips I wonder if they just like started cutting things because they ran out of time yeah Yeah. we, we missed something yeah yeah, I mean, God, if they had, like, had recording of, like, I don't know who, like, talking about how much they love Succession, and we didn't get to see it, I'll be really pissed. I know! There was, also, there was also the whole, like, concept of, like, we'll deliver the Emmy to you was, like, very erratic, right? Like, Jeremy yeah. Strong got his, um, Zendaya got hers, but, like... Jeremy Strong got his, I hope, from his wife, It was he his wife. that person Yeah, I, I rewatched it. It was only his wife. <laughs> and then some people had boxes with glitter, uh, like, uh-huh. I wasn't sure RuPaul who got one. what. Like, why did Regina King have a box with glitter? And then why did Toronto, you know, all the people in Toronto have the hazmat suit with the statue? Like, what's And the... Rami had the hazmat suit. Walk away. Walk I wonder away if Rami from used him. Yeah. I, think, I think it was based on categories. Uh, the comedy categories had hazmat suits. I guess Rami did, too. And limited series and reality had, or, and variety, I guess, had the boxes. Something. Did Jesse Armstrong have oh. any Emmys? Or does he just in that, like, weird magic eye room... Because they flew to the UK. Like, like, let's just think about they that. They flew them to Canada. Well, apparently, they only brought the acting awards to Canada. I found out later. Like, all like, oh. Shit's Creek didn't get all of their Emmys. They didn't get their like directing and writing Emmys and stuff like that. So, oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, just think about like the 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 UK people who did show up. It was like four in the morning there, <laughs> and like. Paul, poor Paul Mescal is like in, in his like little suit in his little like with his little house plant behind him. You know what I mean? And then like Helena Bottom Carter is like draped out in lingerie kind of. With like um, two dogs. Yeah. So like, amazing. you know, uh, we weren't we were noticing who didn't show up. Some questions about like, did they know in advance? And for the most part, the people who didn't show up seemed to be either Australian or UK folks for whom the time difference was just like pretty. Hugh Jackman was there. I wonder Hugh Jackman is, in is Australia. always there. Hugh yeah, Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Will not not show up. Oh, and he didn't win. And Richard, you and I were both tweeting about this like separately that like his best performance of his career is in Bad Education, and it's a shame that he. Yeah, and I saw some people, and I don't disagree with them necessarily, being like, "Well, why did this sell to HBO when you know?" I guess the whole idea was like, "Well, if it can't get Oscars, it'll get Emmys," and then it didn't get the Best Actor Emmy that it deserved, and maybe he could have had a chance at the Oscars. Um, but you know that's the risk you take. Um, Mark Mark Ruffalo is good in. I know this much is true. I didn't love the series as a whole. I don't even know how many people watched that series to be honest. But yeah, I mean that was like a big disappointment win for me. But I think on the whole, the spread other than Shit's Creek was was good. Like obviously Watchmen winning a lot was both you know deserving and expected. And um, I don't know was the biggest surprise in Daya for all of you. I mean that felt like the biggest one to me, and it was a happy surprise. I think that Jeremy Strong over Brian Cox is a surprise in a lead actor, but I was thrilled for him. I think that he's, of everybody in succession, I think I would give him the Emmy, even though the acting across the board is great. And I do think that everybody deserved to win. 
I actually feel like I shouldn't have been by surpri- as surprised by Zendaya as I was, because I, I think what we're seeing is the Emmys rewarding younger talent. They're beginning to be more interested in the breakout roles. I think at like a previous, like even the fact that Jeremy Strong won over Brian Cox, which I, which I, predi- I my one prediction that I'm proud of is that I thought that that would happen and it did. <laughs> um, I sort of felt like just thinking about how Phoebe Waller-Bridge kind of rolled over a lot of comedy faithfuls last year. I think the Emmys are excited about new people. And I think that they, I mean, I was very impressed that they were so excited about Zendaya that even though Euphoria had no other nominations and she's never done this before, she got first time nomination, first time Emmy. Yeah. And if you, if you add that with like Julia Garner, who had, who won last year, but like still, and then Dan Levy, who's like relatively, you know, like new kid on the block sort of thing. Um, I think you're right that like the Golden Globes tendency of like, we want to plant our flag on someone like the Emmy is catching that fever <laughs> recently. So, yeah. Now, speaking of Julia Garner, um, going into tonight, Netflix had by far the most nominations, but on the main event night, it only won two awards, um, which is kind of amazing considering just how completely, I, I mean, I guess really what that speaks to is that the Emmys, like the Grammys, have a lot of categories and it's possible to rack up a lot of nominations without necessarily getting a lot of big wins. Um, but I feel like that's got to be very frustrating to the folks at Netflix that they th- still got completely hammered by HBO. And that they're the reason Shit's Creek is a big deal. Netflix did not get to win the Emmy for Schitt's Creek, even though Netflix is the reason most people have seen Schitt's Creek. No, mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, I was checking in on that stat later. And like, you're right, Hillary, by like qualifying it as like in the main show. And that still is like an optic that must be frustrating for Netflix. But like, uh, they came second overall because like HBO had 30 total and they had 21 total. So they racked them up in like the the, the creative arts Emmys and, and the technical stuff and stuff like that. But like, yeah, it's still, it's still a really poor showing for them uh, relative to years past. So, But they lost the Best Babysitter Club prize to Euphoria, which I thought was surprising. <laughs> <laughs> I think Babysitter's Club kids. is eligible next year, and I look forward to their Emmy sweep. I'll be, Babysitter's I'll be Club wins every award in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I, wa- I want to talk about strategy and how like I'm maybe changing my mind from where I was last year in terms of like strategic nominations because okay so last year there was a lot of talk around what happened with Game of Thrones in terms of like they very strategically only put themselves up for one writing award and the wrong episode and they lost. Um, and and then we, you know, there was that big story about how Gwendolyn Christie and Alfie Allen had to submit themselves because they were trying to be strategic about the actors and they got nominated. And then a lot of vote splitting happened. I mean, Peter Dinklage still won, but like a lot of vote splitting happened for Game of Thrones. But I was like, hey, man, let everyone be nominated. It's fine. And then (laughs) this year, Watchmen kind of got bit by that and Succession. Like Succession got bit by that in in the acting categories. Like I feel like one of the Succession guys would have won if there had only been one or even two of them in the supporting actor category. I mean, I, I mean the, that didn't help Sarah Snook necessarily, but like, that's how I feel. And then with the, with Watchmen, it was the directing category and it really breaks my heart because Stephen Williams, who's so great, who's been working on TV for so long, uh, who, who directed one of the best episodes of television ever in, um, the episode of Watchmen that he did really no offense to the winner, but like there were three Watchmen directors in that category. And I really feel like between Nicole Castle, who was essentially like a co-show runner on the show, and Steve Williams and Steph Green, like they really got in each other's way um, in that category last night. 
Oh, absolutely. That directing category was, I mean, Watchmen nominated three times. And I feel like that's especially the type of nominee where one clear favorite is, no, that's the, especially the type of category where one clear nominee isn't going to like rise to the top. Because as you say, like, in the supporting actor category for Succession, um, Billy Crudup was double nominated too. Like Mark Duplass was nominated in that category as well. True. So it's kind of interesting how the vote splitting like worked and didn't. But I mean, I think it would be pretty easy to say that Billy Crudup's a little bit more of a awards contender. His role's a little bit bigger. He's doing he's doing a little bit more. I'd say uh, he's doing something. <laughs> Whether or not we can we can <laughs> we can agree he's doing something. Um, I like him in the role. And meanwhile, with uh, with the actors, I mean, if I had to choose between Kieran Culkin and Matthew McFadden. I mean, Nicholas Braun is also incredible, but I would end up being stuck between those two, and I don't know who I would choose for, like, who's the the best supporting actor in succession. I think it's just some really difficult choices that the Academy had to make. And yeah, I I would be really curious to see the spread between Braun and McFadden and Culkin. I'd, I'd be really interested to see if they just cannibalized each other. Yeah, right. they're just like each had the exact same number of votes. Which yeah. is so yeah. hard. Which is a classic them. succession narrative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And then Kendall gets to be the number one boy of everyone from succession at all. Daddy Daddy's best boy. Yes. <laughs> so good. He got, he got that kiss. I also think we can't downplay the fact that Billy Crudup's win stands as yet another testament to the fact that, like, you really should try to sing some Sondheim uh, (laughs) in in your show if you if you want to, you know, move to the head of the pack. Hey, man, doesn't work for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) But that is, you know, HBO had aired Marriage Story, (laughs) (laughs) singing a different tune. But I think you know the, the the fact that Jennifer Aniston won the SAG for Morning Show and now Billy Crudup won an Emmy for it and it had a lot of other nominations is like really good news for Apple TV Plus in a way that I feel like they haven't had a lot of good news. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know what the ratings are for those shows, but like they have been struggling to create buzz for their you know, and they really seem to have poured it all onto the Morning Show of late. I know that the Chris Evans show was pretty popular, but. But, you know, I wonder how much like a sort of slightly down ballot win, what that actually does for a machine like Apple. Like, obviously, it, it helps to some extent, but yeah. um, I don't know actually how like how much it reverberates around the company. And they're going to be in the Oscar race to some extent as well, because they have Boy State and probably a couple other movies as well. But yeah, like Apple TV Plus is a massively expensive streaming platform that barely seems to exist for a lot of people, <laughs> are like you, a lot of streaming platforms. Yeah. Are you are you ready for my favorite Emmys 2020 stat? Is it that Quibi uh, won an Emmy? It's that Quibi now has more Emmys than The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> when you say favorite stat, what do you <laughs> And the fact that Pop TV has more best series wins than Netflix is well crazy. good for Pop. Yeah. Like I feel like I know. Like because I'm sure the CBC shop, you know, when when they were looking for a US deal, I'm sure they approached a bunch of different people. Pop is the one who like went for it. I'm sure other people are kicking themselves now. And it's true that the Netflix bump is a thing. And like Eugene Levy did at least shout out Netflix once in the like you know the final award that they won. But like, uh, yeah, g- good for Pop. <laughs> I gotta say though, talking about Chits Creek, I I maybe this is like my own personal bugbear or something, but. You know, Schitt's Creek 
is a comedy that is very, like, warm and fuzzy and inclusive, as we were saying. Um, you know, it's, like, very good pandemic watching. It's very good binge viewing. But there's another comedy that never broke through at the Emmys and is also over now, and that's The Good Place. And that is just something mm-hmm. that I don't understand, like, how it never managed to kind of get the same kind, the, the same sort of attention, either from... I guess from the internet at large. Well, no, it's very popular, uh, like among I think like very Netflix viewers and internet. yeah. But for some yeah. reason, awards never came for the Good Place. Um, and instead, this good American show is being beaten by Canadian <laughs> upstarts. Um, and I so, sound yeah. like Kimmel. So, I feel like injecting place, nationalism into this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like the Good Place, for all of its like narrative innovation, did suffer from the fact that it's a you know broadcast network show from an established showrunner with you know big TV stars are you know already established TV stars in the lead roles. I think it it seemed more like a conventional choice, even though the show itself is pretty unconventional. Um, Much less conventional than Shit's Creek, which is yeah, a family exactly. Sitcom. But Shit's with all of its attendant, you know, Canadianness and pop TV ness and CBC ness and all that stuff. Like I think that it stood out as this kind of organic. I mean, it's not really organic because it was really Netflix that gave it the bump. But like you know, hit that a show like The Good Place that had sort of a huge engine behind it from the very beginning didn't have. And I think the Emmys were, you know, with with Schitt's Creek winning a lot, with Zendaya winning uh, a, a big prize, like, I think they were strenuous in some, you know, subconscious way even to prove that they are adaptable to the times and have a contemporary view of the television landscape. And The Good Place, for as good as it is, just um, kind of didn't fit that model. Although it is funny also that Shits is probably the whitest show that, well, Succession. Never Succession mind. is pretty white. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, it, no, but it was very interesting seeing these like uh, these two family dramas that are about entitled white rich families like bookend and Emmys that in the middle like tried to be about diversity. <laughs> um, and I, I think both shows uh, critique that and and do interesting things with that. Um, but it, it was an interesting vibe to take away from the evening. Um, like we think this show about policing is probably important. And here's Tyler Perry. And also the shows that we liked was this white family and this white family. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, like I was trying to figure out, you know, what it, what is like really rubbing people raw about this like comedy section of the front. And I think it is like the fact that they had a whole segment spotlighting Issa Rae and then Insecure like wins nothing. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. then it feels like. And Lena super- Waithe and America Lena Waithe, America Yeah, Ferrera. but like, but Issa was like in the comedy block of the show. And I was like, that just feels like salt in the wound to be like, yeah. Issa Rae, try telling Issa Rae no, cut to Issa Rae. And it's like, <laughs> no, you don't win any awards tonight. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, that felt like a stumble for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's only so far you can go in touting your and like, you know, there were a lot of people color nominated, um, but there's only so far you can go in congratulating yourself for that, um, depending on the winners. But then again, like Succession, I think was the best drama nominated. Like it is a super white show, but I'm really glad to see it win. So you kind of um I don't know, some good comes with some bad. Oh yeah, no shade. I mean, I really like both shows. I just think uh this goes back to, remember when we were talking about how Jesus and Miro didn't get nominated, and I think it's such a worthy show. I think just the Academy just is what it is. <laughs> they, 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 what, what appeals to them is what appeals to them. And it's not like they're wrong, but it reflects their perspective. Yeah, I mean, they're going to just keep giving this award to John Oliver every year until John Oliver retires, even though 
his show has been doing the same thing every year. That is true for a lot of talk shows. But uh, as uh, Chris Rosen, one of our contributing writers, pointed out um, when we were predicting the Emmys, of all of the talk shows that had to go virtual this spring in the midst of the pandemic, Trevor Noah had maybe the most innovative approach. He expanded his show. He was doing different sorts of things. Um, That deserves some recognition. And yet they're still, and, you know, Samantha Bee was broadcasting from her backyard. Like, everybody was doing, everybody was trying to figure out a new way to broadcast their talk show during COVID, especially in the spring when things were the worst in New York and L.A. where these things are filmed. And the stubborn attachment to rewarding John Oliver's show when his show probably changed the least, like, does kind of feel like, you know, they're going to make an effort, they're going to reward Zendaya, they're going to not just give Mrs. Maisel a ton more awards after doing that same thing for two years, but there are ways in which the TV Academy is stuck in its ways and seems not very eager to try to get unstuck. I also feel, and I don't have obviously any hard data to back this up, why would I? But um, the... uh in a world where like streaming has taken over and we don't really do appointment viewing and stuff like that, I really feel like HBO Sunday night is still like very much a thing. HBO Sunday TV night. And so like the, the shows that air on HBO Sunday night are going to be rewarded. And like John Oliver certainly benefited from the bump around those shows. Those seem like appointment television for at least like the kind of people who would belong to the television Academy. You know, did you guys see the video of Samantha B opening her non-Emmy box. Oh my no. god, no. She took like a palette knife. It looked very challenging. She took like a palette knife to it. Um, it's a very long video. I eventually like scrubbed to the end of it, but eventually there was just like a bottle of champagne in there, which I was like, that's a nice no. thing to send. Like you didn't get you didn't get an Emmy. I don't know why they made the box so hard to open, but but here's here's a bottle of consolatory uh, champagne. Well so. if that's the case then I, I hope that the hazmat suit guy waiting outside Rami Yusuf's house also had champagne with them. <laughs> That, I think Rami, um, he did not win the Emmy he was nominated for, did win Twitter by posting that video of the oh hazmat suit just person waving goodbye <laughs> after he it lost. It really is like the grimmest image somehow. <laughs> yeah. It feels so sad. Well, there was almost something that the hazmat suit guy being like, I'm going to be back, but for a very different reason. <laughs> you know? yeah, you're on your own for now. Yeah. You're not going to be so happy to see me again. Yeah, that and like Kimmel's reveal in the beginning where they were cutting from old um, footage of Emmys of the audience laughing at him. Then we were all kind of watching this happen in Slack being like, this doesn't seem like a good idea. And then the reveal of him being in this empty room, it was just like, God, that's grim. It was such a bleak moment. And it had to happen, but um, it was interesting to see, like, the gloss of the awards show kind of fall apart with the, like, this sucks. It sucks that we have to do it this way. Although, I don't know, what that opening really drove home to me was how easy it is to make it seem as though you're delivering <laughs> jokes to an award <laughs> to a regular audience packed with people. Like, I don't know. I get, is everything fake, man? Like, <laughs> it's so really, it freaky. A, it was a deep fake tutorial, it honestly. Was. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, any final Emmy's thoughts? I do think it's interesting that, you know, two of the shows we talked about the most, Schitt's Creek and Watchmen, will not be back. I guess, I don't know, Damon Lindelof seemed maybe more open to letting someone else make another season of Watchmen last night than I had thought before. Really? But anyway, like... I thought the opposite uh, of what well, he Well, he said. was just... Oh, okay, I mean, he just kept being like, I'd be happy to hand the baton to somebody well, else. Um, that's so. that's just, so Damon... 
uh, <laughs> so demon of him. But uh, can I just say that, like, when when I was like thinking about the Emmys, I was like, "Do you think the uh, to myself, Joanna? Do you think the reason Damon Lindelof has been so insistent that this is only one season is because they want to get that limited series Emmy?" And then he went out and said, "Like, I think it would be a betrayal to everyone, like, for the fact that we did so well in the limited series category if we went around and announced the season two, which is like, wow, exactly what Big Little Lies did, right? Yeah. Um, and so, um. I was like, yeah, I, I kind of, I believe him. <laughs> I believe that he doesn't want to do this. And he also said, what he said is that, uh, and our and our colleague Julie Miller got this great quote in the press room that like, he wanted to move into like a curating phase of his career where he was highlighting other people's works, which is something that he's talked about with Watchmen, how like he couldn't really be the one to tell the story, even though he definitely in a large part was, but that he was like kept trying to elevate the other voices like Core Jefferson and other people who worked on the show. And so I think he wants to like be more of a like a J.J. Abrams-esque producer highlighting non-white straight male voices because Tim and Love has so much guilt always uh, about his his position in Hollywood. And that's uh, I mean, that's a great thing. I would be I would be sad if we didn't get another like very Lindelofian show uh, out of him. But like, I think it's really cool that that's what he wants to do with his refurbished star. You know, I want him back on Twitter. Yeah. Oh God! No, get off! Stay away, Damon. You preserve your brain. But it's so funny He's... when he was making fun of Justin Bieber's hat. <laughs> His Instagram is really is really good. It's really really good. So. There we go. That's the that's the consolation prize. Um. Okay. So yeah. So Shit's Creek won't be back. Succession will be back. Any like general Amy trends that we can talk about other than you know sometimes they like new things except when they can't break out of their old patterns. I was just gonna. I don't know if this is related to that, but I I was genuinely surprised that Jennifer Aniston didn't win the Emmy. Um, mm. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but, you know, she was clearly excited to be there. She was in a bunch of the pre-show stuff. She's a she's a Television Academy favorite. I don't know. I was surprised. Clearly they watched Morning Show if Billy Crudup got nominated, you know, got, got the Emmy. Uh, that was kind of It does feel like Jennifer Aniston's, like, comeback is still, like, on a slow and steady, you know, the, the Fast Times at Richmond High thing last week, like, the morning show's gonna have a second season, like, she is, she is having more of a moment now than she has in a while, mm-hmm. it seems. Mm-hmm. If the Friends reunion never happens outside of that one thing they did last night. <laughs> Didn't everyone think that was Laura Linney's category to lose this year, though? Like, just, just by expectation and prediction? I also was surprised that Zendaya beat her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For me, I would say, I mean, the one narrative we haven't talked about is is FX and how, you know, th- this is a big year for FX in terms of becoming like FX on Hulu and trying to hold on to its brand identity uh, in, in that change. And, uh, you know, they had a great win for, for Uzo Duba for Mrs. America. This wasn't like maybe their strongest showing, but they, use, they, they have in years past been stronger players in the bigger categories here in the prestige categories. And so the fact that they really only had Mrs. America that had like a ton of buzz around it like devs didn't hit the way they wanted to etc and the fact that with Mrs. America really only one went out of that you know I hope for bigger and better things for them in future years because I'm I'm a big FX fan but um, and a big Hulu fan yeah so Fargo's coming yeah but Hulu had such a great year too and I'm, I'm really bummed that they like couldn't break through with you know normal people or the great or or high fidelity or any other great shows that they put out this year so it would be nice if we could like take all of our shit's creek energy and put it onto pen 15 that's that's my (laughs) 2021 (laughs) goal yeah 
Um, all right. Well, thank you all for watching the Emmys with me. It was really fun, like I said at the beginning, to have an award show to um, to dig into. And um, now we just have seven months of Oscar season ahead. So everyone buckle up. Katie, that's bleak. The uh, the, the, the tone <laughs> message was unity and uplift. <laughs> unity and uplift. I mean, we literally call ourselves an awards season podcast every month of the year. So if anyone is prepared for seven months of Oscar season. I'm excited. I just got invited to a drive-in premiere of Blythe Spirit at the Mobile Film Festival. So like, See? I'm like, the magic's alive for this one event. <laughs> Okay, that does it for this week's show. Um, thank you for listening. Find a ton, ton of great Emmys coverage at VanityFair.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at LittleGoldMen and on our own. I'm at Katie Rich. Richard had to go. He's at Rylaws. Uh, and Joanna? Joe wrote this. And Hillary? Hillabuster. And Sonia? Sonia Soraya. This week's episode was edited and produced by Brett Fuchs. And this week's award for our worst iTunes podcast review, which you should leave. Leave a better one than this. The award goes to Sonia Soraya. This is not the most thrilling first hour 